Mercy, Lord, we thank you for the the word of God that brings hope. And we pray, God, that that word would be declared clearly tonight. I pray, God, for the strength, for the focus to clearly speak your word. I I decrease now so that you may increase. I become less, Lord, so that you can become more. I pray that you would move me out of the way, that your people would not hear me or see me, but they would hear your word speaking tonight, Lord. And as your word is declared, Father, they would have a, a renewed hope in the future. And they would celebrate it here today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as you guys know, we are going through the essentials of the Christian faith. I'd like to thank uh, Johnny and Isaiah for their faithful teaching. Uh, last week, Johnny was teaching on love, and I, we got a lot of good feedback on, uh, on that teaching, so praise God for that. What I usually like to do whenever I go through the essentials is uh, I, I always like to start by asking you a question. Now, you're going to have to pretend like you don't see the definition for that question up there, okay? The question is... If you did not see the, the answer, what would you say hope is? What would you say a definition for hope is? Thank you, hun. What would you say a definition for hope is? Now, you got to pretend like you didn't see it and you didn't write it down already. All right. What would you say hope is? Talk to me. Our, our essentials are a lot more uh, informal. So you can talk to me. What's hope? Oh, Phil, you got something right there at the tip of your tongue. I can say it. I'm just thinking, not the meaning on the screen, but one of my favorite verses is hope deferred. Okay. Okay, hope deferred. What does that mean? Okay, very good. Good. So without hope. You may die, basically, right? What other definitions can you think of for hope? Or how else would you explain the word hope? I've got one leg, so don't keep me standing too long. A desire, a want, very good. What else? Okay, very good. What else? Anything else? Something unseen. Wishful thinking, very good. What else? These are all very good definitions of the word hope. Very good. Anybody else got anything? Okay. So we have the definition now. Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation or expectation. It should be expectation. And desire for a certain thing to happen. We're going to save that word for just a moment. So pretend like you didn't hear that because I'm going through my notes. I didn't realize I put that in there as well. But hope is also an aspiration. It's, as someone said, a desire. Someone said wish. It's ambition. It's an aim. It's a goal. It's a plan. Here's another question, though. Don't go ahead of me. Don't go ahead of me. I'll tell you when to turn. I don't have the clicker. Yeah. Here's another question, though. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Now, you don't need to answer that out loud. But just take a moment to, to feel the weight of the question. If we're talking about it being an aspiration, if we're talking about it being wishful thinking, if we're talking about it being a word that I'm not going to say, but um, what are you hoping for right now? 
Just think about it. Have you thought about it? Is it in your head? Can you see it? And, and as you're seeing it, aren't you also seeing it in the future? Because you don't hope for something that you already have, right? Or do you? Can you hope for something that you already have? Think about that. Most people, when they think about things that they hope for, they think about, I, I hope to get a raise or I hope to get a car. I hope that my kids succeed. I hope that uh, things go well with my health in the future. There's a lot of things that we, we hope for. There are poor Raider fans who have been hoping for years that the Raiders would at least make it to the playoffs, right? <laughs> what, what are you hoping for, though? Each of the things that I've just described are, are things that people express hope for, but they're usually personal de desires that are relative to the earth or relative to earthbound desires. Not that they're sinful, but more so that they're temporal. Think about that for a moment. Not that the things that we're talking about or maybe even the things that you have thought about are sinful things. More so, they're just temporal things. Amen. There's another definition of hope that I wrote on there, but I should have left out. And that is this. It's expectation. And I think that there is no word that I can think of that comes closest to explaining the biblical meaning of hope other than expectation. Expectation is something that essentially you possess. But you're waiting to see the realization of it. For instance, my wife and I are waiting for our tax return. We're expecting it any day. It's ours. It's coming at any moment. And we are we are, are anxiously awaiting it for a number of reasons. But it is already ours. It is the same with our hope in Christ and our hope of a future with him. You right now possess that. And you are anxiously awaiting the day when he will break through the clouds and take you home to be with him. But positionally, you reign with him now. Positionally, you have belonged to him from the beginning of the world. Positionally, right now, you are expecting something that is already yours. Some people say, I hope that I go to heaven. Well, if you're a believer, then you should only say, I expect to be there. Because that is a promise that has been given to you. Hope, in another sense, someone may say, maybe, maybe not. I hope. But if you're a believer, then you should expect to be there. We must distinguish between what we mean by hope and what the Bible means by hope. Because typically when we talk about hope, it is related to something that we want here on this earth again. But the Bible speaks about hope in terms of promises that are made by God and that are fulfilled by God, namely through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Biblical hope is a firm conviction that the future Promises of God have been and will be fulfilled. 
I'm speaking really slow so that you guys can can grasp these things. Hope is biblical hope is a firm conviction that the future promises of God will be and have been or have been and will be fulfilled. Are we good? Okay. Biblical hope is not merely wishful thinking. This is important. It's not wishful thinking, but rather it is an assurance of what has and what will come to pass. It's an assurance of what has and what will come to pass. It is not wishful thinking. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, the writer of Hebrews is speaking of the promise given to Abraham, sworn by God, because there was no one greater to swear by. And God gave this oath to Abraham in verse 14 of that, of that chapter, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And what did Abraham do when God gave him this promise? He believed God. And because he believed God, God credited him as being righteous. And what did he do? He waited for what God promised. He did not waver in faith. He waited for what God promised. Likewise, verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast. I love the the wording there. Anchor of the soul. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain on our behalf. Having become a high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. What is our hope according to this passage? In whom is our hope according to this passage? The writer of Hebrews is speaking of the hope that we have in our high priest. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who enters into the most holy place and does what? He offers up his blood as a propitiation for our sin. He, our high priest... Goes into the most holy place. Where is that? Into the holy of holies. Where God dwells. And he offers up his blood. As a propitiation. For our sin. As an appeasement. For our sin. If you've never heard of the word propitiation. It simply means this. It means to appease. It means to kindle. It means to soften. Or to remove the wrath. We heard of, of old uh, tribes back in the days that would offer up sacrifices to appease the rain god. So that the rain god would do what? Give rain. So that the crops, the god of crops would give to their crops. Well, God expects life and he gets it from himself because there is no other perfect life other than Christ. And Christ comes gives up his life, sheds his blood, and then takes his blood to the Father and says, I do this on behalf of Arnold, of Karina, and so on and so on. We have that peace or that hope as an anchor for our souls. What Christ has done, and don't let the word pass by you, What Christ has done is an anchor for your soul. What an amazing thought that is. What Christ has done as our high priest is an anchor for your soul. 
a what? He is our hope that enters into the most holy place to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. So, what is the anchor of our souls? What is the hope of our souls? That His righteousness is being given in place of our unrighteousness. That is our assurance. That is our hope. Therefore, Christ becomes what? He becomes the object of our hope. Christ becomes the object of our hope. He's the object of our hope in redemption. He's the object of our hope in forgiveness. He's the object of our hope in righteousness, glorification, eternal life. Christ is the object of our faith. Amen. All of these are heavenly hopes and they far outweigh and they completely overshadow any earthly hope that you and I could ever conjure up in our own minds, in our own hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, to them, that is the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, the glory of his majesty, which is in which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The anchor for your soul is Christ in you. The hope of glory. I hope that in your mind you will put these things together. And that is this. That when Christ goes into the most holy place, he offers up his blood, his life for your sake so that you can have a hope. And Christ then becomes our hope because he has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Apart from Christ, as our sister says, there is no hope, which means you are dead in your sins apart from Christ. So he is our hope. He's not just your best friend. He's not just someone that you love and appreciate. He's your hope of life. Without him, there is no life. Without him, there is no hope. So we can think about things and say, I hope. And I hope that when you say the word hope, you think about hope in a different way now. Because there is such a huge chasm between earthly hope and heavenly hope. And all the things that you say you hope for here on earth, they are temporal. They are fleeting. They are like the wind that passes. But there is an anchor in your soul called Christ who holds your eternal destiny and where your faith and your hope lie. And without Him, you are lost. Hope, again, it's a strong word and it resides right next to the three things that Paul said last in 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, and love. Can you imagine? Of all the things that, that Paul says remain, Hope finds itself there in that trinity. Faith, hope, and love. We, Christians, we are called to hope. You are called to have a full assurance in Christ and His ability to save you apart from yourself. You are called to hope in the resurrection of God's people. You are called to hope in the return of Christ and the consummation of His kingdom. Paul reminds Christians, you and me, that until the kingdom comes in its fullness, we can have an assured hope, which means which is this, that the kingdom has come and the kingdom will come. We are not waiting for the kingdom. The kingdom has begun. 
What did Christ go around preaching? The kingdom of God is where? At hand. Meaning, here it is. What are we waiting for? The kingdom to be consummated. The kingdom to be complete. And you can hope and have an assurance that it will be. What an amazing thought that is. We can and we must walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We must walk by faith until that consummation and not by sight. Why do I say that? Because there are going to be a number of winds that blow through this world. Whether it is the wind of war, the wind of sexual revolutions, the wind of violence and terror, the winds of economic decline, we must walk by faith and not by sight. If you think things will get easier, they will not. If you think the world will become Christianized, unless you're a post-millennialist, they will not. This world will get worse. The sexual revolution that has increased over the past five years. Who knew that in that short amount of time we would be saying it is legal all over this nation? Don't look around and say it's getting worse. Look around and have hope and say, although it gets worse, I trust not in this world. But I trust in my king who will soon come to consummate the kingdom. Is that your hope this morning or this evening? Or are you hoping for a better car? Or are you hoping for more money? Are you hoping to get a girl or to get a guy? Are you hoping for something that is temporal? You must not be moved by this world. Jesus reminds us, reminds us and I will remind you, that you are not of this world. Just as he was not of this world, John 15, 19. You must not be moved, therefore, by this world, since you are not of this world. Amen. If this world is your home, then be moved by the world. If ISIS is, is your biggest problem, then be moved by ISIS. If the homosexual movement is your biggest problem, then be moved by that. But then don't call yourself a Christian. Because you must understand that your hope is in something greater than these things that we see. Imagine if you had lived during the time of Hitler, what would you have said? Imagine if you had lived during the time of Mussolini, what would you have said? They will rise and they will fall, but there is going to only be one king who is sovereign over every king that rises. And he will return and every knee will bow. Amen. Amen. You should live like that. You should, when you see things on the news, they should not bother you. They should not cause you to go into hiding, cause you to go into your closet and not want to come out. No, this is just fleeting. It's just temporal. Jesus says, why worry about all these things? Today has enough problems of its own. You seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom, John 6, or Matthew 6, 33. You seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Amen. You don't have time to waste. Seek the kingdom. First Peter 2.11 calls us sojourners and exiles. Other translations calls you and I aliens. We are not of this world. Then ultimately our hope does not rest in anything of this world then. The anchor of our soul rests only in he who is heavenly. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
Though your life as a Christian may be marked by suffering more than worldly success, remember that in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. Take heart. Keep on hoping. Keep on trusting. Keep on walking. Keep on running. Keep on pursuing. Because Christ has overcome the world. Take comfort in the foundation for your hope. The foundation is found in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Take, take hope, take comfort in that Godhead. And why do we do that? Or how do we do that? Number one, we do that by, by number one, this. We look to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would we do that? If we're talking about hope, why would I say look to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for your hope? Why would we say that? The death of Christ was the darkest hour for Christ and his disciples. So why would we say, if you want hope, look there. The promised Messiah was dead. It appeared that all was lost. But that death came with a promise. And so does your death. Your death comes with a promise. Your life lived in Christ comes with a promise. And that promise is this. Just as he rose, you too will rise. How encouraging is that? Just as he lives, you too will live. There's the anchor for your soul. So when we say, where is our hope? Look to the death and the resurrection of Christ. But because because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Let that be encouraging to you. He promised that because he rose, you too would rise. In the resurrection, all hopelessness turned to hope. All pain turned to joy. All, all sorrow turned to, to rejoicing. Because the one who was dead is now alive. What's the point of that? The point is this. That no matter what kind of suffering you endure on this temporal earth. Whether it be great suffering or whether it be small suffering. You must keep this anchor as your hope in this world. And that is Christ. Him dead and Him risen to life. That is your hope. That is your anchor. Nothing else is. Not your raises, not your boss, not your car, not anything else on this world that is tangible or temporal. Instead, your hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. In what? That because He died and rose, I too will rise with Him. I love that song by by Chris Tomlin. I don't know if it's an original song of his or not. But he says, and I will rise on eagle's wings before my God. I I don't know how the rest of it goes, but bow before my king. I love it all. But it speaks about Christ's death and resurrection. And when we are in Christ, we represent the hope to the world. That because he lives, we live. When you are baptized, you are, sick, you are, you are symbolically saying he, di- he died and he rose. I too, I have died and I rose. And, and physically I will die and I will rise. How encouraging is that? I think about my dad. I think about my, my wife's grandmother. I think about my grandmother who just passed. I think about some of you who weep over your loved ones. If they are in Christ, they will rise. If they are in Christ, they will rise. If you are in Christ, you will rise. What a great hope that is. Death does not have the final word. Christ does. 
Let that be encouraging to you. Live every day as if death has no power over me. Why do you think if you've ever been out with me anywhere? Why do you think I don't? I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of a lot of things. You do kill me. Kill me then. You are promoting me if you kill me. I won't die. You should never be afraid of death. They say you have cancer. Glory be to God. They say that you, you will lose your leg. I've got another one. They've invented prosthetics. I'll be fine. This is, this, this is just temporal. Because when I rise, there will be no ailment in my body. When he brings me back to life in this glorified body, my vision will be perfect. I will be able to run, to jump. There will be no organs out of place inside of me. There will be no tumors. Instead, there will only be a perfect glorified body the way in which he intended. And that is the hope of expectation that you and I rejoice over. Rejoice over. You must hold on to that hope. First Corinthians, I want to read this to you. First Corinthians 17, 22 or 17 through 22 says this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If if in Christ we have no hope, if, if in Christ we have hope only in this life, we are of all people most pitied. We are the most miserable people in all the world. If the hope of Christ only lasts but this lifetime, but instead, but in fact, Christ has, but in fact, Christ has been risen from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man, for as by a man came death, by a man come also the resurrection of the dead. Amen. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Amen. Amen. In Adam all die, but in Christ all live and they shall rise. God has always been faithful. God has always been more than enough. So we look to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You have been given the seal the promise of the Holy Spirit as a deposit that you belong to God. Your life that you used to live, you no longer live. The person that you were, you no longer are because God has put his spirit inside of you. As what? As a deposit that you belong to him. You know what a deposit is when you go to a place and you want to make a purchase. They say, make a deposit and it's yours. You won't fully realize it until you take it home. But in the meantime, it's got your name on it. It's yours. You have the name of God Almighty on you. And it will not be fully realized until you are taken home with him. But in the meantime, he's put his spirit in you to lead you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to instruct you on and on and on. This change that has taken place is to point you to the future. The hope in the future. Listen to me. The spirit of God is inside of you to point you. Yes, to the here and now, but also to the future. 
if you did not have any change in your life, then you have no hope for a future. All the things that we just discussed, all the things that we are expecting, if he's not in you, then don't expect anything. Well, how do I know? Oh, we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? All of these things that come out of you. We've talked about the desire to share the gospel. We've talked about repenting of sin, turning from sin. We've talked about living for the glory of God. All of these things are being done because the Spirit of God is inside of you, working in you to presently glorify Him and to be future glorified. His Spirit in you is, is like that, that tag, that seal that says, I have a future. How do I know? The Word says so, and my life that has been turned upside down is evidence. Meaning this, that His presence in you assures us that Christ will come and you will be a part of that consummation of the kingdom. Because of His Spirit. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. That's exciting. You, therefore, should have always an eschatological view of the future. Whether it is pessimistic or optimistic, you have this overlying truth, which is this. Christ will return and I will be taken with him. The spirit of God gives you that hope. That's encouraging, man. I, I, I'm coming out of my, my, my cast over here. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is evidence that you have a future. That when the world crumbles and falls, you stand and say, to God be the glory. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he fills his role inside of you as comforter, as guide. He strengthens the believer to be steadfast. He motivates us to pray. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. So I encourage you tonight, beloved, hope in God the Father, that his plan is being sovereignly orchestrated in this world. I encourage you, saints, hope in God the Son, that his redemption for your souls is secure, and that is the anchor for your soul. And trust in God the Holy Spirit, that will keep you and preserve you. Until you hear the sound of your king, your husband, your groom, coming to take you home. I'd like to leave you with this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a hope and a, a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. Let's pray.